Morning. Glad you're here. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand on this, but if I were to pose the question, are you a leader? Think about it in your mind. What would you say? Statistics, we got one. Statistics would suggest that 80% of you, over 80% of you, almost everybody in this room, you would say, no, I'm not a leader. In fact, I know some of you would be very adamant about your no. You would say, heaven's no. Because we're in church, you can't say the other place, but I mean, nonetheless. The exception to this would be those of you who are considered uh, a leader at work, like you're high up on the org chart, you have people underneath you. You might then say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a leader because of my position. That, that being said, I want you to think about another question. I want you to think about this. Who has had the most significant impact on your life? Like who has shaped you and helped mold you into the person that you are today? I would say that there's a very high chance that that person is not your boss. I would say that that person is not somebody who yielded their position over you. You're not thinking of an employer. I'd say you're probably thinking of a parent, a grandparent, maybe a spouse, maybe a friend, maybe another relative, maybe a coach, maybe a teacher. What's my point? My point is that you are one of those things. You might be a parent, you might be a teacher, you might be a coach or a friend or a grandparent, you might be all of those things. So the reality is, whether you're ready to admit it or not, you are a leader. You've maybe heard the question, are leaders born or made? The answer is yes, both. You were born, but some of you have developed yourselves into leaders. Some of you are more naturally inclined in that way, but some of you have developed that skill as you realized you were making an impact on somebody. Either way, the bottom line is no matter how you answered the question in your mind, are you a leader? And no matter if you feel like a leader or not, the truth is you are on some level a leader. And here's why I tell you that. You might want to jot this down if you're taking notes. Leadership isn't a position or a title. Leadership is influence. Leadership is not about some position you hold or a title that you have. Leadership is influence. And we know that's true simply by looking at our own lives. These people who had the most impact on you, those people who have led you to and becoming the person that you are today, they were by definition leaders. In other words, anytime you seek to influence the thinking, behavior, or development of someone in your personal or professional life, you're taking on the role as a leader. As a result, the only way for you to avoid leadership is to isolate yourself from the outside world. Now, the fact that you're here this morning, I would say isolation is not in the cards for you. So at this point, you really only have two options. You can rail against your responsibility, can deny the fact that you are a leader and continue saying that you're not, even though I've already shown you you are. Or, number two, what I'm advocating for is that you can learn how to become a better leader. And I want to help you do that. Because, listen, I once read that the average person will meet 10,000 people in their lifetime. Think about that. 10,000 people you'll come into some personal contact with. Now, admittedly, when I read that, I was like, that's absurd. Come on, 10,000 people. That's insane. Pretty hard to believe. So let's say that statistic is wildly skewed. You're not going to meet 10,000 people. Let's say you only meet 10 people. Yet despite only meeting 0.1% of the average, let's say you take this role of leadership and influence seriously. And so these 10 people are shaped by you and your life. 
Well, now let's presume that those 10 people, they meet the average 10,000 people. Well, if you're good at math, you can see indirectly you've just influenced 100,000 people. That's insane. So I would need to figure out this idea of leadership. We have no idea who will impact or how our impact will shape their impact or will shape another person's impact and on and on down the line it goes. Exponentially growing as time goes on. So you might be here and thinking, wondering, well, what does any of this have to do with church or with Jesus? I'll tell you. Most leadership resources focus on management techniques, competencies, strategies, and techniques while ignoring the most important part of leadership, which is the leader. Leader is the most important part of leadership. And I believe that real, lasting change starts with you, the leader. And follow me here. I think the Bible teaches the only way you can really change is through Jesus. So watch this. Check this out. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Surely you know, surely you know, that the wicked will not possess God's kingdom. Do not fool yourselves, people who are immoral, who worship idols, or are adulterers, or are homosexual perverts, or who steal, or who are greedy, or are drunkards, or who slander others, or are thieves. None of these will possess God's kingdom. Some of you are like that. Yep, I'm on that list. Anybody else? But you have been purified from sin. <coughs> you have been dedicated to God. You have been put right with God by the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Spirit of our God. Amen. Praise God. Now, if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, of course, Pastor, you had to say that. The only way that you can change is through Jesus. That's like what they pay you for, right? So, of course, you had to say that. Well, again, indulge me for a second. Let's assume for a moment that you are around 2,000 years ago. I don't know what that makes you, like a vampire or something, if you were around 2,000 years ago. But nonetheless, you've seen the Roman army violently conquer every square mile of the known world. You've not only seen the conquest, you've also seen the assimilation. So you've seen Roman Empire not just conquer land, but force people in that land to become obedient citizens. Now, let's also pretend that you're a gambling man. I know some of you don't like to gamble. That's fine. You don't have to. But bear with me for a moment. Let me ask you, who would you have bet your money on to last longer? The Roman Empire and Roman army that ruled the whole known world or a very little known inexperienced rabbi with 12 inexperienced followers? As John Ortberg once remarked, isn't it interesting that all these years later, we're still naming our kids Matthew, James, Peter, Sarah, and Mary, and we call our dogs Nero and Caesar. Even if you're here and not a follower of Christ, I think we can both agree that Jesus must have something to teach us on leadership and influence. He must have done something right if all these years later people are still following him and nobody is claiming allegiance to Caesar. Nobody. So these next three weeks together, I want us to learn some leadership lessons from Jesus. I want us to focus on three areas of leadership, three opportunities for you to influence people in your life and, and you. So let's just see if God can't do something amazing in each one of these areas of leadership. The first week together, this morning, I want us to talk about you. If you're going to lead anybody, you've got to be worth following, right? So let's figure out how we can lead people. First of all, ourselves. I know I've shared this before because 
If you can't lead yourself, please, God, don't try and lead anybody. But uh, early on in Laura and I's marriage, things were just not good. Never hidden the fact that we just had a very difficult first few years of marriage. I was not super spiritual. When we got married, I was enough of a Christian to pray about it. I pray, God, please, if this is what the next 50 years of my life looks like, just kill me right now. Laura was enough of a Christian that she would pray. She'd pray, God, this is what the next 50 years of our marriage looks like. Just kill him right now. You know what I'm saying? I think she was stepped into that role at some point. Uh, We were too poor for life insurance, though, so she just let it be. But the turning point seriously came when I felt God speak to me. I was praying, God, why can't you help Laura do this? Why can't you open her eyes so that she sees this? I'm trying to lead her, God. She's not willing to follow. And honestly, I felt like God said to me, well, how about we work on you first? How about you be worth following before you ask me to start uh, asking her to follow you. See, some of us, our view of leadership is all about convincing people to follow us because, and do what we say because of our accomplishments or our acumens. Furthermore, some of us are living a performance-driven life, and you're only as good as your next output, your next production, your next outcome or deal, so you have the expectation that everybody around you will do what you're doing. But listen to me, your capacity for life-changing influence and leadership is directly related to your willingness to be led by God. It's not about what you do. It's about what was done for you. Leadership is not about anything that you do. It's about recognizing what God has done for you. Leadership is about figuring out where you are now and taking steps to get you to where God wants you to be. That's what leadership is all about. Figuring out where you are right now and learning how you can take your next steps closer to God. So before we can lead anybody else, we need to first learn some self-leadership. But what is that? Simply put, self-leadership is the courage to acknowledge the areas of your life that you cannot solve alone. So self-leadership is. It's about learning how to trust in God and the plan He has for your life. Now, before we talk about how to do that, let's recap the things that we know for sure. Number one, you are a leader because leadership is influence, and you have somebody, whether you want to or not, that you are influencing. Number two, as a leader, you have to first be worth following. So you better figure out for yourself what is wrong in your life and take some steps to change those things. I know that's a risky proposition. Nobody likes facing their weaknesses or exposing their insecurities. But that's the place that we have to start. And number three, the only way to lead yourself is through the power of the Holy Spirit and the godly people that God will put into your life. That's what we know for sure. You're a leader. As a leader, you've got to be worth following, so there's some things that we've got to change and work on. The only way we can do that, as 1 Corinthians talked about, was through the power of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what are our next steps? How can we become the leaders that God has called us to be? How can we influence people the best way possible? How can we have the courage to address what's wrong in our lives so that God can take us where he wants us to be? Well, thankfully, God's answered all those questions in your Bible. So if you brought a Bible, I hope you did, go ahead and grab it. Turn with me to the back of your Bible, kind of an obscure section in your New Testament called Second Peter. If you're Donald Trump, to Peter. That's how he would say that. Okay, a little political joke for you. All right, 
Peter was part of Jesus' original 12 disciples, but he was also given spiritual leadership within God's church after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. So he's got some important things to teach us on leadership. Peter's also got a unique perspective on self-leadership because he did some really ridiculous things in the course of his life. Like he told people that he wasn't a follower of Jesus. He once chopped off a dude's ear. Jesus had to call him Satan one time. So Peter's learned from his mistakes, though. That's what makes him so unique. He was able to identify where he was at, and he was able to take the steps towards where God wanted him to be. Ultimately writes a couple books in your Bible and becomes one of the most influential leaders within Christianity. So Second Peter right there in chapter 1, we're going to pick it up in verse 3. It reads, For as you know Jesus better, he will give you, through his great power, everything you need for living a truly good life. He even shares his own glory and his own goodness with us. Again, not about what you've done. It's about what Jesus did for you, his great power. Verse 4, and by that same mighty power, he has given us all the other rich and wonderful blessings he promised. For instance, the promise to save us from the lust and rottenness all around us and to give us his own character. For this very reason, the reason that Jesus saved us, you should make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. Awesome. I like effective and productive. So Peter here is reminding us that in order for us to have the most influence we can over the people of God that he places in our life, we first have to learn how to make a series of starts and stops. It's what he means when he says, by Jesus' power you can overcome the rottenness around us, meaning you have to stop some of the rottenness. Then he says you've got to add some things like faith and goodness and knowledge and so on that he said there at the end, last few verses. There are some starts and there are some stops that you need to make in your life. In the end, following God is really about a series of starts and stops. You thought about that. Your Christian life is going to be a very jagged line because it's a series of starts and stops. Even putting Christianity aside, think about all the starts and stops that you have to make in life. You start school. You eventually stop school. You start a job. You eventually probably retire. You stop that job. You start sports. Eventually, you have to stop sports. You start driving. Eventually, you stop driving. Seen some of y'all drive, and you stop sooner rather than later, you know what I'm saying? Just, uh, nonetheless. Life, series of starts and stops. Well, self-leadership is the same. Remember how I said self-leadership is the courage to acknowledge the areas in your life that you cannot solve alone. Let me give you some areas of your life that you probably need to start and stop in order to maximize your influence in this next season of your life, which leadership is influence. So remember, it's Jesus who gives us the power to do any of these things. First of all, I must stop following a culture that doesn't follow Jesus. I've got to stop following a culture that doesn't follow Jesus. Most people make decisions based on what's acceptable. They say, well, if it's legal, it must be moral. It's not true. Hitler's Germany. 
Jim Crow South, right? Just because it's legal does not mean it's moral. Here's what God says about this in Exodus 23.2. You must not follow a crowd in doing wrong. Pretty straightforward. Some of us need to stop following our culture and doing wrong. We don't have to watch the same TV shows. We don't have to play the same video games. We don't have to read the same books. We don't have to get caught up in the same fashion. We don't have to spend money the same way the world spends money. Listen, God has called us to be a light in a dark world. Well, if you walk, talk, and act like the world, then how are they ever going to see your light? They don't. That's my point. So you've got to stop following a culture that doesn't follow God. Well, pastor, I thought we were supposed to be open-minded. Well, some people are so open-minded, their brains are falling out, right? And they're just doing whatever they feel like doing, and it's wrong. At some point, you've got to take a look around and say, this is not the path <coughs> excuse me, that I want to be on. <coughs> so I'm going to stop following culture. Here's the other thing. Secondly, I'm going to stop following friends that don't follow Jesus. Got to stop following culture. Got to stop following friends. Now notice I didn't say stop having friends that don't follow Jesus. You should have friends in your life that do not follow Jesus so that you can be a light to them, which we already talked about them, but you cannot be influenced by them. Leadership is influence. You need to be influencing them. But here's how Proverbs 13, 20 says it. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. If your life is falling to pieces, take a hard look at it and just see who your friends are. Very first time I smoked a cigarette. Very first time I smoked marijuana. Very first time I drank alcohol. Very first time I shoplifted. All because I was hanging out with the wrong people. I had zero Christian influences in my life. Only negative influences. It took me down a deep, dark path. And I think that one of the things that you should do seriously when you leave today is take an inventory of all the stupid decisions you've made and see how many times you were with supposed friends. I can almost guarantee you, you did those things because of peer pressure, because you thought it would make you cool. Which leads me to point three. I'm going to stop being led by my feelings and circumstances. God, stop being led by my feelings and circumstances. Just because you had a thought doesn't make it true. Now, if you're a Christian, what we like to do is we spiritualize our decisions. We say, well, pastor, everything happens for a reason. Well, yeah, sometimes that reason is you were dumb and made a stupid decision. That's the reason. We like to do those things, and we like to look at our circumstances and say, well, it's all falling into place now. This must be from God. These decisions I'm making, it's, it's got to be from God, because how else would it just all work out the way it's working out? You ever heard of a guy named Jonah? Jonah got swallowed by a fish. Jonah was kind of a, a preacher, a traveling evangelist, if you will. God told him to go to a city called Nineveh. It was a very dark city, and he wanted to get him to go there and preach uh, about God. And Jonah said, oh, I don't want to go to Nineveh. In fact, I'm going to go the complete opposite direction of Nineveh. So he showed up at a boat dock, and there just happened to be a boat. And, and this is the time where traveling, you know, it's not, it's not publicized anywhere. And this must have been from God, the fact that there was a boat, and it was going the opposite way of Nineveh. That had to be from God. How else does this just happen in that time period? And so he climbs on the boat, and the Bible tells us that he went below deck and he slept peacefully. See, he was just in peace because all of this must have been from God. Now, if you know the story, you know what happens next. A big storm comes. They wake him up because and, and, he's living completely 
outside the will of God. And yet he thought this must all be from God. What I'm telling you is he trusted his feelings. He believed in his circumstances. He ended up in the belly of a fish. Some of you right now are in a dark, smelly spot. And it's not with God. And it's not God's will for you. And you know it, yet you're still trying to justify it. And you let today be the day that you stop justifying it and you stop that nonsense. Let today be the day that you stop following culture. You stop having predominantly non-Christian friends and you quit trusting in yourself. You start believing in the power of Jesus. You say, well, how do I do that, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked because it's the very next thing I want to talk about. There's some thing. You guys are good at this, by the way. Some series of starts that I want you to start. Number one, I must start looking to God's Word. Got to get in the Bible. Got to start reading it. God's will never contradicts God's Word. So you say, Pastor, I don't know what God's will for me. Well, when's the last time you read your Bible? Because God's will will never contradict His Word. And so you got to start getting in there and reading. Do you know that literally every decision you need to make in your life, the answer is right here in your Bible? Now, certainly it doesn't say where you should go to college or who you should get married to or if you should take that job, but it does tell you that God has a good plan for you. It tells you the qualities you should be looking for in a spouse. It shows you how to live your life on a mission as a follower of Christ. It teaches you how to work in your workplace. It shows you how to spend your money. It's all in here. I can only speak from experience, and I'm just telling you in the seasons of life where I made God's Word a priority, where I got up early and where I started my day reading and studying my life was just way more peaceful. It wasn't easier by any means, but it was more enjoyable. And those seasons where I let it slip, things just weren't nearly as good. I just firmly believe that when you open the Bible. God opens his mouth. If you allow him to direct you and, and help you, your life is going to be way more peaceful. Jesus promised that, that he would give you peace that surpasses understanding. And when things around you are just falling apart, it's going to be like supernatural. You're just going to figure life out in a much more enjoyable way. And so if you want to be effective and productive, you got to start and leading the people around you, then you got to start looking to God's word. Going right along with that, I must start listening to God's response. Because here's what else I know from experience. Almost all of my unhappiness in life was because I listened to myself instead of listening to God. Not true for anybody else. A couple of you, good. That's why the Bible says that the heart is the most deceitful thing on this planet. You don't know what you really want or what you really need. In fact, more often than not, what you think you want is probably going to kill you. And if you start listening to yourself more than you start listening to God, it's going to take you to some places that you don't want to go. Got to start listening to God's response when it comes to leading ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. When is the last time you asked God for something and then just listened? Set some time aside in the quiet and just listen for God to speak to you. Again, it goes hand in hand with reading the Bible. Because when you open the Bible, God opens his mouth. Well, if you've closed your Bible, then God's closed his mouth. So you can't hear his response. Here's what's hard about this. Just like with Jonah, God often tells us to do things that we don't want to do. Anybody on that? 
One. Okay. Well, then you guys are living way better than me because, listen, we're afraid of his response more often than not, right? We're like, well, what if God tells me to do this or this or this? And he, he doesn't listen to the things that I thought I wanted. Can I preach on this for a second? That when God tells you to do something that you don't want to do, see, because we're fine with being called a Christian as long as we have a better life than God gave his son. Right? Because we see what happened to Jesus. God kind of killed him, right? So we think, well, well, we don't want that. We don't want to have to crucify ourselves daily, as Luke tells us to do. Listen to what Romans 18 says. And since we are God's children, we are his heirs. In fact, together with Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. That sounds great. But if we are to share in his glory, then we must also share in his suffering. Uh-oh. We don't like that verse. That doesn't get preached very often. We've got to share in his suffering. What if I'm listening to his response and he tells me that to do something that I don't, I don't want to do? God's will is always better than your own. God only leads you into places of encouragement and joy for his glory and your benefit. So here's all I'm saying when it comes to leadership. You can't lead people. You don't know how well do you know yourself. Do you really know where God wants to take you? Do you really know the plan that God has for you? Do you believe it's a plan to lead you to fullness of life and joy? Or do you think that it's something else? If you want to know yourself better, then you've got to look to God's Word. You've got to learn how to hear His response. And finally, you've got to start obeying God's commands. The Bible tells you to do some things that you need to do. As a pastor, I constantly talk to people who talk about, oh, pastor, I just want to go deep. I just want to experience God on a deep, new level. Now, more often than not, they're just using that as an excuse to not do anything. But even still, if you want to go deep, you want to experience God, you want to get in His Word, you want to hear from Him, then listen to me. God expects you to obey what you already know before He's going to give you something new. What? I said, God expects you to obey what you already know before He gives you something new. Say it one more time. God expects you to do what you already know before he gives you something new. That's what God expects from you. See, here's the deal. If you've been here a while, you know you're supposed to be looking to God's word. You know that you're supposed to be learning to listen to for God's response. You've just got to be willing to stop some of the other junk before God's going to give you your next step. Listen to me. It might not even be a bad thing. It might be a good thing, but it's keeping you from your best thing. And you've got to take an honest look at your life. Say, are there some good things that I need to say no to so that God can get me to the place where he's going to give me my best thing that I can say yes to? Chances are you already know what that thing is. And God's speaking to you right now and saying, you need to get rid of this. You need to get rid of that. You need to start obeying God's commands if you want to learn how to lead yourself because here's the deal you're a leader you have influence in somebody's life now to be somebody worth following there's a series of starts and stops that you need to follow the reason being because jesus promised us that he's given us everything you need to live a truly great life you just got to learn how to seek god's will through the bible reading and prayer you need to learn how to wait in faith for an answer 
You need to be obeying his instruction when it comes. Finally, you've got to be at peace with the outcome, regardless of where God leads you. If you'll do that, I promise you, you'll be a leader worth following. Amen, somebody. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you for giving us an opportunity even just to come and gather in this place. <coughs> thank you for everything that you've provided us through your word, the instruction that you've given us to lead us to fullness of life. God, I believe that, that you want us to enjoy these gifts that you've given us on this planet. But there are some dangerous places that culture wants to take us. There are some dangerous places that friends want to take us. There's just some silly things in our own life that we feel like we want and need. God, I'm just asking you right now to speak to us in a powerful way. Help us realize those spots that we've got to stop. Don't let us be blind to any of those things. Guys, ask you to encourage people as they begin this series of starts in their life to, to get in their Bible, to develop a plan, to read on a consistent basis, and then to hear from you. God, I just ask that you speak in a powerful way, whether that be through your word or through circumstances or life situations, whatever that is, God, I just ask that you give people peace and comfort in seeking you. Finally, obeying the words that you've commanded us to do. There are some good things in our life, not even sinful things that we need to stop. I just ask that you help guide each person and they make that series of starts and stops in this life to bring you the most glory as they influence people around you and around them. We just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.